It's the Dogcast, episode number 291. We've got Outback Bowl post-game, recruiting news, all sorts of news out of Athens. Plus, we break the story of Operation Overlord, Death from Within. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, and we are finally back with episode number 291. This is your Outback pre—I mean, your Outback poll boat post-game show. You know, for what that's worth. I mean, hell, does anybody want to talk about the Outback Bowl at all anymore? Or have you already forgotten about the Outback Bowl, old dog? I've tried, but uh, I mean, we can really we can sum the Outback Bowl up in in a real neat little package. And it's basically reality is a very, very bitter pill to swallow. Oh, wow. on, on the good side of things, I will say I think our team showed up in a much better frame of mind yes. and ready to play the bowl game as opposed to the bowl game of last year where we really just didn't give a damn and we're kind of going through the motions. But unfortunately, it, it showed what we've been talking about all year. Again, our glaring deficiencies. Uh, offensive line, the biggest in the world, but still not up to par. Still the and, s- slowest and clumsy. I mean, Will yeah, Golston. And as Old Dog had said time and time again, and I know everybody's tired of hearing about it, but if you can't run the ball, you cannot win. You can pass all you want to, and, you know, I, I don't know what happens to to our quarterback in bowl games. Apparently he gets a bad head or something and seems to have his worst games in bowl games. But, again, if you cannot run the ball efficiently, you are not going to beat teams that are on your talent level or better. I mean, we had a great run, but, again, and this is what folks are going to say, and we need to get ready for it all year because it's the truth. Every team we played that was any good, we lost to. You know, I can't. you can't argue with that. You're exactly right. I do want to make the point that I do think we made significant progress. I do think we turned, we at least turned around into the right direction. I mean, you know, we could have gone off the deep end after the loss in the Liberty Bowl to Central Florida. And I think we, I think we at least turned our direction around. But like you said, we clearly have a, we clearly have a lot of work left to do. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of refine your comment a little bit. I think we've probably turned the corner defensively. Yes. And I think our defense is headed in the right direction. I can't say that for our offense. Well, I we're mean, still I, missing I pieces. How much, I mean, you know, I know I'm not happy. I mean, obviously, you know, Bo, Mike Bobo's play calling, you know, the three runs up the middle, you know, from inside the 20, I mean, which he did get the first down. But when everybody knows what play we're going to run before we run it, that's just not a good way. That's just not a good way to operate a football team or operate an offense, in my opinion. Yeah, 
in in a sense, but you know what was pretty cool and it showed up last night? <laughs> it's when they know to, what you're going to do and they still can't you, stop And you. you still can do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. That's when you know you're a top echelon team. You don't have to win with trickery or surprises or anything else. When there's three minutes and 30 seconds to go and you've got the ball and you're winning the game, you look across the line of scrimmage and say, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run out the clock, and there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. Wow. And when we get back to that point, that's when Georgia's going to start winning championships again. Boy, that would be nice. And I tell you, just to draw a comparison between that game, our game, and the game last night, I think this is important. You know, I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of activity on the message boards and Twitter. You know, people saying things like, boy, I wish we'd played this LSU, you know, and things like that. Let me tell you something. It had it had nothing to do with how bad LSU's offense was last night. It had everything to do with how good Alabama's defense yeah. was. Yeah, and, I mean, my comment was, boy, I wish we had the team Alabama did. <laughs> yeah, no, I wish we had the defense for four quarters that Alabama had. Now, you know, but having said that, you know, I think the problems LSU experienced last night had everything to do with how good Alabama is. And and just as importantly, though, old dog, I want to draw a fine distinction here because I'm really pleased with our defense. You know, you can talk about conditioning and things like that, but you know, for 30 minutes we played better defense than Alabama than even Alabama played against LSU. But if you remember. The things we did, the turnovers, the turnovers, the turnovers, the penalties. Let me mention turnovers again. Not only in our own bowl game against Michigan State, but also the SEC championship game against LSU. Turnovers are a killer. Do you know how many turnovers Alabama's offense had last night? Yes. None. Do you know how many penalties they had? None. turnovers. They had Z... Not... Not... Few penalties. They didn't win the turnover battle. They had no turnovers. They had no penalties. That is a well-coached football machine. And we are not that, okay? So don't think for a second that, you know, Alabama got a break by playing a weakened, unfocused LSU or something, okay? They're the target. That's where we're headed. That's where we want to be. That's who we want to be in the future, but it ain't got nothing to do with LSU. It's got everything to do with Alabama, and and the gap between us and Alabama, unfortunately, is pretty damn big right now. It is, and you know, along with everything you said, one of the other glaring things that's a huge difference between top echelon teams and us right now is depth. You know, I, I agree with you. I think our defense can probably play for a quarter or even a half with any team in the nation and do well. The problem is when they get worn down, we don't have the same backups that the LSUs, that the Alabamas do. I mean, man, in the fourth quarter, Alabama had second and thirds in there playing just as well as their first. And really, if you look back through LSU's run, of 13 and 0, they literally wore down teams. The same thing they did to us no in doubt. the SEC championship game. I mean, we played them as tough as anybody did for the first half, and then we just got beat up. No doubt, and and, and, and that's not just on the defensive side of the ball either. 
I mean, oh. you, look, Alabama last night, when they were really pounding the rock in the third and fourth quarters, they were running. They had a, a daggum running back in there, Lacey, who's a sophomore. They weren't even playing their best running back, and they're still pounding it. You know, you talk about conditioning and depth. One thing I really noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is the kind of thing I pay attention to. Even when Alabama was pounding LSU, and LSU was given, their defense was given all they had to stop Alabama in the second half. If you looked at LSU's defensive linemen, their linebackers, they did not look stressed, you know? They were, no hands on hips, no, no heavy breathing. They're just standing there like we're ready for the next no, play. No waving their hands saying we need to come out the game. No, and I know they've got backups and they're rotating and stuff like that, but, but when you looked at the guys they had on the field, they were not. They weren't like tired. Although, I mean, time possession. I'm not saying LSU's defense didn't get tired, didn't get worn down. But I'm telling you, they weren't like doubled over and wheezing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, and you know, the other thing I want to do, and and I think this would be something that that we need to do. We need to go after the guy that tapes the ankles for either Alabama or LSU <laughs> yeah. and bring him to Georgia because <laughs> I saw no ankle problems with the multitude of running backs that these guys had. No doubt. And, you know, even after pronouncing himself 100%, having a month to get ready, uh, Isaiah Crowell is good for, a, you know, a play or two, you know? Well, you know, I mean, in a less, series, I don't know. Let's not, you know, and, and here it is. I, I wish the kid well, but let's not turn him into another Caleb King where or Stephen Garcia, where every year this guy's going to do it. Isaiah Crowell's a bust. That's it. He's no good, and we need to move on. And I think the coaching staff also knows that, although they're not going to say it, because they are recruiting every good running back in the country. Yes, and we've and already got, and we've already got one of them, and they're hot on the heels of two more. Nice segue into recruiting because I'm about done talking about the Outback Bowl. Everybody knows yeah. what we saw, and I'm and, just, I, and by the way, the Outback Bowl, it, it, it just it was a microcosm of our entire season. It really was in a lot of ways. You're exactly right. The kicks, you know, Blair Walsh's troubles, Blair Walsh's successes, Blair Walsh's failures, Aaron Murray's successes. As good as he was, he still made mistakes that really really hurt us it was a microcosm of the season and i'm not saying that to pound on blair walsh or aaron murray i'm not pounding our defense or saying boy our defense is crap i'm not we're not saying that we're just talking about the differences between us and where we want to be because clearly there's nobody on our offense or defense or coaching staff that'll tell you that we are where we want to be on either side of the ball or in specials oh and i if hope you, not and if and you look like, at the difference all i'm all we're doing is highlighting the differences i'm not here we're not here to bang on our players and stuff it was a pretty good effort game we had our chances to win i feel like michigan state they had more seniors i feel like they just wanted it more than we did Kirk cousins when he got the ball with two minutes to go he's thinking willed that team to score a touchdown i mean they wanted that damn touchdown worse than we wanted to stop them that that's all there is to it and that's not a knock on our that's not necessarily a knock on our defense it's just the way it is you know and we're no, gonna and, and mean, we're gonna be back next year Right, and and hopefully, and I think we're going to be better. And to sum it up, we're a good team, but we need to be a great team. Absolutely, and we got a ways to go. And then, and hopefully, we're moving in the right direction. Now let's talk about players. Let's take let's talk about players and personnel. Let's talk. Let's move on to off season matters. Um, 
you know, first off, the deadline to announce if you're going to NFL is this coming Sunday. Uh, we still got nothing firm. I still think Orson Charles has a lot to go. I think Jordan, I think, uh, John Jenkins is going to stay. Um, you know, um, the other guys, you know, Hudson Mason, is he going to take a red shirt? Is he going to stay? Is he going to transfer? I, you know, I don't know. Um, and really, I don't think anybody knows for sure yet. Now, I don't really want to speculate on that. Um, I just, I'm just telling you that the deadline is coming up this Sunday. Um, we did get news right after the holiday break was over that we did lose some guys. You, you probably saw that. Kent Tureen. Guys that really, guys that haven't contributed, they basically took a hole in a signing class and then we, and they never played, you know? Yeah, they were up at Georgia Military College. Basically guys that signed couldn't meet the stiff academic requirements that Georgia has, went off to Milledgeville and still can't meet the stiff academic requirements that Georgia has. Uh, they're moving on. I know one kid's going off to Marshall, which you know, I guess doesn't have the same requirements sign, that we do. They sign Prop 48 non-academic qualifiers. We we can't do that, but they can. So, um, so yeah, you know, so and I mean, gone. you know, good luck to them. Uh, there are a lot of kids that want to be want to be bulldogs, and, and not everyone can. Another huge get. I wanted, you know, just last night. Um, you remember a few years ago, we made a lot of hay out of the fact that it looked like for a long time, all you need to do to get a football scholarship was have the initials AJ. You know, um, we had a proud tradition of receivers and running backs and defensive backs with the initials AJ. You know, AJ was the key to getting on the team. You know, now it turns out it looks now like the key is uh, to be not AJ but JJ. You know. Huge get with uh, Jordan Jenkins last night, a five-star defensive end. Alabama, uh, you know, he was he wasn't promised Alabama, hadn't committed, but Alabama was widely regarded as the top of his radar screen. We were not on his short list six weeks ago. The top defensive player in the state of Georgia, high school player in the state of Georgia, was looking like he was going to Alabama. Todd Grantham said. I'm going to take a run at this guy, wowed the kid's mom, really just took over and handled this recruitment personally in the past six weeks and landed a fantastic defensive end, Jordan Jenkins, to add to our already great class coming in with Keith Henderson. You know, we continue to recruit like that a champ. That would be Keith Marshall. I'm sorry, not Keith Henderson. <laughs> Holy shit. He, he's, he's, already, he's already done. Yeah, he's finished. But he played well. Wow, am I... <laughs> Wow, I just lapsed into like Alzheimer's mode there, didn't I? Not Keith Henderson, uh, Keith Marshall, exactly. Um, what do you think, Gold Dog, about the way this recruiting class is shaping up and the, the number of JJs on our defense now? I do like the number of JJs, and we have often said on paper the recruiting class looks very good. On paper, the recruiting class last year looked good and for the most part panned out. Yes. I hope. I hope it's the same thing this year. Uh, again, looks like we've got a lot of talent coming in out of high school, but as you often say, high school's high school, and until you step on the field in Sanford Stadium and do something in an SEC game, those stars don't mean deadly. Exactly. You know, and, uh, and that's where we are. I, I do like the fact, though, that we seem to be addressing the needs, especially at running back. And we've signed the best lot, the best offensive lineman in the country, kid out of Florida. Yes, and we also brought in some Juco help, which is near and dear to my heart. Because I tell you what, if we could have a recruiting class of nothing but twenty-five offensive linemen, 
I'd be happy. Well, we also signed a really great JUCO offensive lineman, uh, Mark Beard, who's already on campus, just like Keith Marshall. Um, Mark Beard is like, you know, he's a ready to go, a ready made, you know, uh, add water and play right now and kind we had of offensive three lineman. guys from last year's class that we redshirted that seem to be impressive in practice. So, yes. you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see a lot of improvement on the offensive line this year which is definitely something we're going to need if we're going to win. And, you know, I may be getting a little off track here, but next year I, our schedule doesn't set up any easier. I mean, you look at it. There, oh, I know. There are two teams on there that we should have a problem with, South Carolina and Florida. Yes. Because we always have a problem. Well, in the last 20 years, we've always had a problem with Florida. But, I mean, the rest of them, we should roll. I agree. I mean, we're going to be, we should be favored in nearly, if not every game, all but one. Possibly the South Carolina game, we might not be favored. But who knows, by the time we get to that point in the season, nobody knows where we or South Carolina is going to be. Yeah, and who knows, you know, who knows how Lattimore is going to come back and sure. stuff like that. But, you know, that that's a matter for, for a different show. Keith Marshall already impressing, and I'm going to tell you, just um, the view – I'm just going to tell you guys, and not to put too fine a point on, I'm not prepared to say, I'm not prepared to just, you know, disband the Isaiah Crowell uh, experiment like Old Dog is. But I will tell you this, you know, cut your losses quick, man. The kid is already Keith Marshall is already impressing people and drawing distinctions between himself and Crowell with his work ethic and most importantly his attitude. The kid is already in class studying the playbook. He seems to have. A Not great smoking, head on his shoulders and a great attitude about his role and his place in the program. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. What, I mean, what was that you said there? I didn't hear what you said. And, and I said, and you know, from all I can understand, he's not smoking dope either. Right? Yeah. There's a little echo in the bunker here. You know, some the rock and, walls trap sound down here. And his ankles seem good. Yes, his ankles seem good. He doesn't seem to be smoking weed on a daily basis, and he seems to be interested in the playbook and learning the blocking schemes. I, I did see a little interesting comment, I guess, about a week ago. I was checking some stuff out on the Internet on the AJC, and some guy had written in on the little post or whatever it is, but it does kind of sum up Crowell for me. It said Isaiah Crowell bumped his knee on a desk going to class and immediately took himself out of the class. <laughs> Wait, he took himself out. I mean, that that is exactly right. That is fantastic. Um, so you know, recruiting class is shaping up. Just a little plug here for our future show. It's 22 days as of time of we're recording this show. 22 days to signing day. Between now and then, we're going to do one more show. Our annual. And much loved reverse recruiting show where we go back and look at past recruiting classes and how they panned out and how all, all those stars added up uh, to actual performance between the hedges. So we will be doing our reverse recruiting show, show number 292, between now and signing day. And then, of course, we'll be on to signing day and then into spring ball. Pretty much the same schedule we've run here for the past uh, five years on the podcast, the number one Bulldog football podcast in the world. Uh Let's talk about Brandon Boykin winning the Paul Horning Award. Congrats yeah, to him, man. I mean, absolutely. That, and I mean, he basically and and going back to the Outback Bowl a little bit. I mean, that guy basically single handedly kept us in the game. No doubt. 
scored on defense. I mean, you know, you're going to throw a screen right at Brandon Boykin in the freaking end zone on the first play. <laughs> Much to I your... mean, scored on defense, special teams, and offense. Yeah, absolutely. Hell, he had more carries than Crowell. He had more catches than Charles. I mean, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I I. I I don't know how to explain the lack of production between Orson Charles. You know, between, uh, I mean, Bobo's play calling, whatever, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm still disappointed about that. I'm trying not to go back into that. I don't want to go back into how disappointed I am about the, the play calling. I mean, God almighty. Orson Charles can't get any more catches. We can't use him anymore. Will Golston sets up a lemonade stand in the backfield. Well, know. you know, and, and in that, I really, I really think the fact that, that Charles wasn't involved anymore in the offense than he was, was, was really the fact that we were keeping him in to help block because no the offensive line was not functioning like they should. And, and again, it, you know, I, I hammer on it and hammer on it and hammer on it. But the key to winning and the, is, is having a good offensive line. And if your offensive line is not sound, your offense falls apart and it also takes away your tools. No we, doubt. We lose. Good point. We have a bad offensive line, so we lose our tight end because we've got to hold him in. We lose, we have we lose a, Figgins. We, have, we lose Figgins as an, as an, op, as an option out of the backfield, you know? And, and most of the time, and most of the time our other back too. Yeah. Because on a pass play, we're holding him in to help block so we can't, we can't put him out, you know, to be, to be the safety. It takes know, all we got. It takes all that. we got just to give Murray the time to get the throw off, you know? Right. And, and a lot of times we don't even, you know, we don't accomplish that either. Right. So. Also, I know, you know, a big day for you, talking about signing day and big days on the calendar, big day for you coming up this Friday, old dog. Big day at the old well, dog Well, I, I, I tell you, man, it's, uh, you know, getting on to a personal note. I, I've really had to look at myself this week because there, there are two things going on in the old dog's life that they kind of have them a little, little out of kilter. Oh, man. First off. First off, and, and this isn't the big one, but but it worked. We we had a little pool. Everyone kicked in twenty bucks. We put in all the teams that were in the playoff, and then you just reached in the hat and pulled out a team. And if your team wins, you win the pot. And if you don't, you've lost twenty bucks, but you've had fun. Unfortunately, I drew the Denver Broncos wow. and and found myself Sunday afternoon. Sitting here, actually cheering for the Broncos and Tim Tebow. Wow! I mean, did you did you Tebow? Funny, did you get down on your funny, knee and Tebow no, after? Not far yet, but I've really got to look myself in the mirror. You know, is 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 twenty dollars? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cheering for Tim Tebow, and I'm not sure it is. How about but? but Heinz Ward being covered by Champ Bailey catching balls from Tim, you know, I mean, you got Heinz Ward and Tim Tebow, you got, you got, you got, oh, I'll tell you, that, that game was just a, a exercise in contrast, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was unbelievable. So but, but tell us the, big, the other deal. The big thing is that's really got the old dog shook is Friday is going to be the last show of One Life to Live. This is a show that I have been watching since I was in the sixth grade. Wow. Uh, I mean, Old Dog, you're sharing a lot here. I started watching it when it was in black and white and a half hour, and the decade started with a six. (laughs) 
I thought you were going to say I've been watching it since I had to watch since I had to watch it on the radio. Um, yeah, I've been watching it since it was on the radio. And I had to watch it in my mind. Um, yeah, you're you know maybe I don't know based on the feedback from this show, old dog. Maybe this is the last episode of the Dogcast. I don't know. Once they find out you're a lifelong listener of One Life to Live, uh, you know, maybe I mean, this is the it, last episode. My dirty little secret, but I do want to share what's going on with the listeners. Oh man. And I hope they can respect the fact that I've come clean. Well, we've got one more you know, thing. It's kind of like, you know, I, I guess it's kind of like standing up at an AA meeting and saying, you know, hey, my name's Old Dog and I'm a sofaholic. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Well, I tell you, we do have one more big news, one more big thing to cover here in the show, and this is a, an investigative report that we've been working on for the better part of two months, uh, trying to find out, trying to get to the bottom of things, and this is really a Dogcast exclusive. We didn't want to lead with this. We wanted to kind of close with this. Our field reporter, um, who's... Because he's a he's you know he's an undercover reporter he works inside the athletic department his nickname is the Burge okay that's all you need to know the Burge broke this story on uh, the day of the bowl game is when we finally started to put the pieces together but um, we can now tell the story old dog of what we like to call Operation Overlord Death from Within. Operation Overlord, Death from Within, is a program that was started 25 years ago by Dan McGill. Dan McGill went to Fort Benning in Fort Benning, Georgia, and sat down with the top investigative, you know, with the, with this investigative reporters and the military strategist. He sat down with the top strategist that we had in the state, and we developed a program called Operation Overlord, Death from Within, where we started to develop a staff of deep cover moles, people who were near and dear to the Georgia program, guys who had come up in the Georgia program that we could use to destroy our SEC rivals from the inside. And this program was put into place, like I said, 25 years ago by these strategists at Fort Benning and Dan McGill at the university. And you started to see the first you know, fruits of the program, because it takes a long time to develop these deep cover moles, because, you know, they got to get out and make a name. they got to separate themselves so that it can't be traced back. But Have to gain trust. you got to gain trust. you got to gain credibility on your own. You know, we can't, you can't just place a guy there, you know. So Derek Dooley was the first graduate in the Operation Overlord Death from Within program. And as you've seen over the past, not just the past season, but really in the past couple of weeks, he's really stepped it up. He's pretty much dismantling the Tennessee program brick by brick. They're losing coaches, staff, facilities are being shuttered. They're turning away recruits up there now. Um, the players that they do have, they're misusing them and uh, you know keeping them off the field. Derek Dooley, a graduate of Operation Overlord, is really doing fine work for the University of Georgia inside the Tennessee program. Then you go on the next level. We moved it up with Will Muschamp, who you know just interviewed Ray Goff and Quincy Carter this week for the offensive coordinator position. You know he's trying to decide between Ray Goff and Quincy Carter to take over the offense down there in Florida. That. I mean, you know, as Colin Coward said on ESPN, that thing is trending south down there in Gainesville. <laughs> <laughs> trending south, baby. I mean, Will Muschamp, you know, also a graduate of Operation Overlord, is really doing 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 the Lord's work down there in Gainesville. Um, and now, 
you know, we were hoping they were going to hold off on this discussion, but Brian Van Gorder moving into Auburn. You know, a lot of people were upset, people who aren't aware of Dan McGill and his rich history of strategy for the university. But this Brian Van Gorder thing is really just the next step, the next step of evolution where we're starting to, where we're moving into the coordinator positions at Auburn. So, um, you know, you should fully expect us to put up 56 points on Auburn next year as Brian Van Gorder takes over there and begins to roll out his Operation Overlord playbook. Um, old dog, do you think that, do you think that Brian Van Gorder can take the Auburn defense, which, you know, gave up a ton of points to us this year? Do you think in just one year he can take them down even further where they give up more points to us next year at Jordan Hare? It, probably will be close to the same and then the next year it'll escalate on into the 50s okay so you're thinking brian big is more of a two-year thing at auburn than a, absolutely than really i mean he's kind of got year. to cement himself a little bit well you know well just so you know this is actual you know when kirby smart kirby smart is you know about to be named as the heir apparent to steve to Steve Spurrier over at south carolina when kirby smart takes over at south carolina in about uh, i think Two years is their timetable over at the Overlord headquarters. When Kirby Smart takes over for Steve Spurrier, pretty much our domination of the East will be complete. South Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida will be in shambles. Uh, our permanent over in the West Side will also be in shambles due to Brian Van Gorder's porous defense. And um, Dan McGill's vision, which begun on the campus of Fort Benning 25 years ago, will have come to fru- almost complete fruition. <laughs> Won't that be a glorious day, old dog? Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad that we were able to break the story. Me too. And, you know, folks folks may snicker and laugh, but, again, it goes back to what, what the dog cast has been. We were the first to tell you that Caleb King wasn't worth a damn. People said, oh, you're crazy, you're nuts. Bam, Caleb King wasn't worth a damn. <laughs> we were the first to tell you our strength and conditioning program was horrible. It was so far behind the rest of the SEC that it was a joke. People scoffed at us. We got called out by other, I won't say other reporters, by reporters, saying we were crazy, we were lunatics. You don't Bam. want to put us in that classification of being reporters, no. right? Bam. We also, and, and, sudden, and, and now, sudden, now it can be told you're breaking the news on Isaiah Crowell also bam, in this episode. Bam. All of a sudden, our strength and conditioning program wasn't worth a damn, and we had to revamp it. Right. We told you that two years earlier. So you can scoff at what Derek just told you, or I'm telling you, played out over the years. Take it to the bank. The, Operation Overlord. Operation Overlord, death from above, death from within, is going to be... The biggest deal. I mean, I'm telling you, when it's when they look back in college football history, Dan McGill is going to be seen as a pioneer in football strategy. It's going to be just like gray shirting is. You know, trying to kill your opponents from inside their program is going to be standard practice 50 years from now. But there Dan McGill know. pioneered this at Fort Benning Military College, you know, up to 25 years ago, which I just think is huge news. And I'm glad to be able to write the story. Our staff reporter, The Burge, thanks for bringing that story to light, and uh, we're happy to break that for you here on the dogcast 
Dog fans, thanks for listening. We hope we get some feedback from you guys. Our phone number is 706-363-0210. We hope you enjoy the show. You can email us at dogcast at gmail.com. We are your number one source for dog talk on the web. The original, the best, and the should biggest. should be your only source. Hell yeah. What else do you need, man? Um, you just go about your job. You go about your regular life. We'll cover everything and tell you what you need to know. 50,000 watt global flamethrower on the web. Georgia Bulldog football news 365 days a year. Thanks for listening. Go dogs.